the Mississippi Crop Situation Podcast featuring the Crop Doctors. Hey folks, Jason Bond behind the mic in the Crop Doctors Podcast studio in Stoneville. Tom, good afternoon. How are you today? Doing well. Uh, would you like to introduce the two guests that we have? I would love to introduce the two guests we have because take, take today we have our two economists to visit us here in the studio. Brian Mills has been here before. Thanks for having me. Will Maples is here. Yep. Thanks for having me. For guys. the first time. Will made a special trip from Startville. Did all the way the over podcast. here. So we certainly appreciate that. So Brian was with us back earlier in the spring. And like I said, Will made a special trip over today. So good to have you, Will. Brian introduced himself when he was on before. So, Will, why don't you take a few minutes and tell folks who you are and where you come from and how you ended up at Mississippi State. Thanks, Jason and Tom, for having me over here today. So my name is Will Maples. I'm with the Extension Service, an economist focusing mainly on row crop marketing, commodity, mar- commodity market outlooks and the such. I'm from North Alabama originally, got an undergrad from University of Arkansas and a master's degree from here at Mississippi State before I went and got my PhD at Oklahoma State. And then I've been back here in Mississippi for the last two years. So I was lucky to get back down south here and be able to be back in Mississippi. I did not know you were from North Alabama. Where yeah, where at? Just outside Huntsville. Okay. Our farm's right up on the Tennessee line. Limestone County. Our buddy Eric Webster that works for LSU, he's from Belmina. Same county. Yep. So he's, I'm from Elkmont, so that's just right north of Belmina. Eric listens to us sometimes, so maybe he maybe he heard a shout out for North Alabama. So I grew up on a cattle farm, so I haven't learned all the crop stuff since I've been here. But you've done a good job in the time that you've been here. Both of you guys have, so we're really proud to have you. Before we get going on what we're doing, we'll. What would you say your superpower is? <laughs> My superpower? Yeah. Oh. Can't have a lot of dead air now. Probably yeah. Your ability yeah. to remember random history facts, probably. I can remember some random history <laughs> facts. And I, if you pull a map out and tell me we'll point oh, to right. somewhere, I can do it. Okay. I would like to see a duel between Will and Tom on random knowledge of random history facts. That would be interesting. For some reason, I have the genetic capabilities that my father has. He <laughs> read a lot, so he stacks all sorts of just bizarre information in his mind. It's kind of encyclopedic. It's ridiculous. Tom's real superpower is whistling. I was going to say music and just the fact that my brain seems to catalog some really strange things. If Tom played in a band, he would play whistling. <laughs> Not lead guitar. <laughs> Not drums. Tom would be the whistler. I don't know that that's very well called for. It's not much needed. <laughs> I know, but when it's a you, shame. It's kind of a lost art. But when they rock it, it it's hard and fast, man. Yeah. Well, I won't disagree. There's so there's an episode wheel of Tom. You know the uh, Guns N' Roses song "Patience." Yeah. There's a episode with Tom. The intro to the episode is Tom <laughs> doing a incredible job and it was fairly strange because i just so happened to be walking through the hallway whistling that bobby kind of looked around a pillar and was like uh because it echoed how How do you how how? i'm like what do you mean how it's just ride it down the road put it together nailed it obviously we're here to talk today about the economic issues as they're related to the row crop production system for 2021 and there were certainly some 
much more important or needed necessary topics to discuss, some of those being as related to commodity prices and just general markets. So would one of you want to touch on really the high points from this point in the season? Really right now, this time of year, with when we're looking at the markets, they say the, the crop, crop market's not really made during May. So it's a pretty slow time for us as we're all really just looking ahead for the June acreage report from the USDA. That's our first real solid number on how many planted acres are out there across the U.S. And thus, you know, that's our supply. Tom wants I don't have a whiteboard to draw Thomas' supply and demand curve, but... He can imagine it. It's you know, just imagine in your head, Tom. Closing my eyes and imagining <laughs> it from, like, high school economics yeah. class. I got it. You got it, because basically, you know, this is that X. So we're going to talk about supply side and demand side today. So in June, when we get that, that'll be a good time to figure out, kind of get a hard, how much supply is going to be out there of the crops. That's what the market's trying to nail down right now. There's a lot of debate amongst the U.S. on the USDA numbers right now. A lot of folks think they're way too low on soybeans and corn. They potentially might be. So that's one issue. And then just also on the export side of stuff, Chinese demand. So they've bought a lot. Are they actually going to export it this year or roll it into next year? So, you know, if they start rolling anything over into the next marketing year, that's going to be a negative to prices. So right now, that's just the kind of the two topics that the market's trying to get a handle on. And then once we get into July, June and July, and, you know, the weather comes into play as we start worrying about yields. Because once you get planted acres nailed down, you start worrying about yields and then that in the supply equation. You mentioned that there was some disagreement on the projections for the corn and soybean acres. What are Do you have those numbers? Yeah, so right now, currently, the latest numbers from USDA – Uh, They got corn at 91 million acres in the U.S., and they've got soybeans at 87.6 million acres. A lot of folks think those are too low, so those are just projected numbers from back in March. So that's this. They survey all the farmers back during the early part of the spring about what they're going to plant, and that's the numbers. With how prices have been coming up into this year, prices have been pretty great coming through the winter months into spring, still sitting there good. That was a pretty big shock to the market that stuff was that, acreage was that low. It's very likely we might could add a million acres on both crops. How we do that and where it comes from is kind of some debate. Because like corn acreage, I mean, it's going to be hard to add that in the the I states. It's going to have to come from the fringes of the corn belt more than likely. So really this, the market's trying to, Everybody thinks those numbers are too low. The market thinks those numbers are too low, and they're expecting that to bump up. Because right now, soybean acres at 87.6 million acres, we're looking at ending stocks somewhere around 140 million bushels of soybeans, which is really low ending stocks carry out in the next year. So soybean supplies are tight. So if we stick with that many acreage and we have any type of weather issues as far as anywhere, that might affect just a trend line yield. Soybeans are going to be really tight supply-wise. How's that relate to last year's numbers? I, I don't recall what those were last year, but I, but I know just looking at Mississippi, we had substantial acreage that was not planted. The markets, unfortunately, for Mississippi, since we're such a smaller player in these crop markets, we got to look to the Midwest. So that's where we look. But related last year, so last year's carry out, 
So the 2020-21 marketing year, which will end in June, June or August, it'll end August. in August. Uh, 120 million bushels carry out of soybeans. So that's the lowest it's been since about 2013. And so during the height of the trade war, mid-2018, we were up to something like 85 million bushels of carry out of soybeans. So the fact that we've knocked it down that far in this many years really speaks to how strong demand is right now for our soybeans. But really, that's the story with soybeans. Is it, it's just such a tight carry out that any slight disruption in supply this year could really shoot prices up. Do you care to stick your neck out there and say how high is high? Oh, not touching that. <laughs> <laughs> we can talk in up and down or sideways. <laughs> but I don't blame you. I don't blame you at all. Kind of what I think, I think USDA is going to find some soybean acreage. That number, they might get a million acres in there. But still, I mean, overall, just where we're sitting, how strong demand is on the export market right now, we're, we're going to be north of 13 $14 more than likely come this fall still, just with how tight that soybean market's sitting. If you look at, like, historically, that'll be prices right now are the highest they've been since 2013 from, I think, pretty much all crops, all your row crops. So we're looking at high prices now, and we could even see maybe higher if we do have some supply issues going forward. In Mississippi, and I know you said that you know, we're not influencing the price at all, but I haven't heard Trent say a projection on acres for soybeans, but, you know, when we had Eric last week, Tom, he did mention that 2021 was one of the first years in a while that we hit our intended planted acres of corn. That's right. Yeah. So, you know, you got to think that at least immediate neighboring states are kind of in the same ballpark there. I know Louisiana had some weather later on that's really cut into their soybeans and, and other crops. Well, and you're not talking about a lot of double crop acres. Yeah. Not a lot of wheat acreage in the southern United States at this point. Not like yeah. it was a little bit more than 10 years ago when Mississippi, I think, had about a half a million acre, half a million acres of wheat in this state, I think in 2009. I would say USDA projections or USDA numbers suggested 50,000 acres in Mississippi, and I don't know where those were. I still really we think we were below that substantially, but I, I, I don't know. We had more than we've had, just judging on the volume of phone calls. But I'm like you, I don't know where the big chunks of it occurred. And I would expect that the bulk of those acres, because there were some acres in South Mississippi around the Natchez mm -hmm. area, I, I suspect that those farmers will plant soybeans following. Are y'all seeing many sorghum acres in Mississippi oh, this yeah. year? That's what Eric reached out to Larson reached out to me a few weeks ago asking about sorghum prices is because he's been getting questions. And I was kind of, because they don't put out a number for sorghum in Mississippi anymore just because we hadn't had much. Right. So this would be the far and away the biggest crop we've had since the sugarcane aphid came along. Tom, was that 2016, that 15? sounds right. It's been, you know, if five years at least. Yeah. I have no idea what's driving that wheel. But I have prices. Well, I know, but yeah. I don't know what's you yeah. know driving the price. I mean, but oh, I've had yeah. conversations with guys about managing grain sorghum going all the way back into, you know, mid winter, you know, January, okay. talking about plans for what they were gonna do. Yeah. So there yeah, there's a, a significant amount of it out there. For grain sorghum, I mean we're not talking yeah. huge crop, but for 
for our this average area. grain sorghum crop is pretty pretty good chunk. Okay, because really on grain sorghum, I mean prices right now, Chinese demand is driving those prices, because it's it's just like corn and soybeans. China's buying a lot of grain sorghum. Yeah. Last week they canceled a lot of orders, but still it's been pretty strong, which has knocked those prices up to, I guess, a good looking level for f- producers around here. I didn't realize our history here in Mississippi with grain sorghum until I got to looking at the acreage and stuff. Well, and those sugarcane aphid issues really took a big old hit on the number of intended acres most of those years, which is a shame because it's a fantastic rotational crop for lots of issues, mostly nematode-related. The problem is, is, one, hasn't been a good commodity price for it. Yeah. Two, there's really nowhere that somebody can sell it to an elevator. And three, you add in the sugarcane aphid and an increased management prices from that standpoint, and lots of farmers don't want to juggle that into the crop mix. Will, what about cotton? Cotton right now, the market's looking good. I mean, I think I saw last no- December futures were around 84, 85 cents. They got quite a bump this past right after Memorial Day. Really, cotton-wise, I think nationally we're sitting at 12 million acres projected. Seems about right. Prices have not been as strong as corn and soybeans. Cotton demand's still been pretty, it's growing. It's, it's rebounded for sure from COVID issues, COVID-19, because COVID-19 just decimated our demand for cotton just because we're exporting it all to Southeast Asia, just all those supply chain issues. But it's rebounded really well. And so with cotton, 12 million acres, December futures around 85 cents, it's looking good. The big issues, Texas, Texas, West Texas, really dry right now. That's really kind of why the market jumped here after Memorial Day is there just that long weekend, seems they got the rain because I think they're starting to get into the necessary time period out there. Yeah, planting date cutoffs. Exports are really strong for cotton too right now. So overall, I think it's got a lot of positives. I think USDA has like a 2021 20, average farm price of 75 cents. I think carryouts 3.1 million bales here in the U.S., which is lower than it's been the past few years. And worldwide, we're going to have a little bit lower cotton stocks. I know China's having some got, took a hit production-wise here recently. But cotton market look it looks good. I think that eight, north of 80 cents heading into the harvest could hold especially since we're seeing some really strong exports right now. Just to add on that, from like a seed cotton, which takes in prices and production of cotton seed and lint, that those prices, which are used for your, your program farm program payments, that is the highest it's been since, I think, 2019 for the 2021 year. So projected going ahead and looking like farm program payments for cotton are going to be a lot lower for this next year. Really across the board, it's a lot easier to talk about commodity prices right now than it was two years ago when I started this job during, no during that. So it's, it's a lot better even <laughs> getting la- to actually even, talk. Even last spring. like <laughs> Yeah, even last spring. You know, like Brian said, I mean, we, we're sitting highs that we haven't seen since 13 and 14, which yeah. if you're a farmer out the producer, you know, you need to make sure you got a good marketing plan in place to be able to capture some of these prices and make the best out of it while they're here. Brian, I know you do a lot of the rice work, so why don't you make some comments about the rice market? On this next, like, 2021 year, we're looking at about 
three hundred thousand less acres than last year. I think we went from three million to about two point seven is what they're projecting. We're looking at a little bit less exports, higher imports, but overall a little bit higher price is what they're projecting for the next year. I think it's twelve twelve eighty per hundred weight. And so it's it's prices are looking good for that, um at least. Uh, but we are seeing I know here in Mississippi we're seeing kind of a a big hit to our rice acres as well. That seems to be kind of the common theme, especially with the high corn and soybean prices. You usually see the decrease in rice. But from farm program payments, we are having higher prices, but it's still below that, that reference price, so for PLC. And so from, from that standpoint, they really they haven't hit the highs that they were. I think it is a high since like 2013, but it, um, it's still quite a bit lower than, than those years. I know we don't know what's going to happen with the acres and then the, that effect on the market, but what would your recommendations be for folks marketing their crop as they move into the fall? Really, this time of year, back in the spring, you should have sat down and worked up a marketing plan. That's the most important thing when we talk about marketing a farmer can do is have a written down marketing plan in place with knowing what their break-even cost is going to be, so have some price objectives that they need to try to be meeting and have some timing objectives that they need to try to meet meeting. That means don't fly by the seat of your pants, Dr. Allen. Yes. <laughs> so uh, Not that Tom does that. Fo- focus on that budget spreadsheet that the economists put together on an annual basis. Supply and demand curve. Mm. Right, supply, price floor, price ceiling type <laughs> things. Yeah. Tom knows that much about economics, so he's told you everything he knows. I paid attention to a whole lot of other things in high school economics. We won't go into that. Didn't do very well. I didn't even have high school economics. I didn't oh, have. High, I, we're here too small. I didn't have high school <laughs> economics either. So what producers need to be thinking about is, you know, when we talk about cash prices, cash prices really made up two different things. They're going to sell their at, for some price at the elevator, but that price is combined a com- combination of futures prices and the basis. So any type of marketing strategy, you know, producers need to be thinking of more than just what cash price they are getting, but exactly what's the futures price and what's the basis behind that cash price because your objective is to sell at the highest futures price and the narrowest basis possible and depending on your local elevator they have different tools available for you that can help you accomplish being able to get those because historically those two things don't happen at the same time when we talk about futures price cycles Corn, usually late, late spring, early summer is about the high for corn future prices. Soybeans, you're talking late fall and early winter, and then late spring and summer because you kind of have that northern hemisphere, southern hemisphere dynamic with Brazil down there. Whenever you're considering your marketing plan and what tools you can use, you want to think about things that can help you capture both of those. Because if you're just going to sell your cash grain at the elevator at harvest, you're taking whatever basis is and you're taking whatever futures price is at that time. So that's not usually your best tool because it doesn't give you a lot of flexibility in there. Some things that do give you a little bit more flexibility. So, you know, a forward cash contract, that's just when you go ahead and like today we go contract some corn for such and such. But that's taking whatever the futures price is right now, whatever basis is. If you work with the elevator, there's basis contracts. So you can go set the basis today and then take whatever the futures price happens to be in the future, maybe when it gets a little higher. 
So if you're looking at the market and see that basis is getting pretty narrow as compared to what you might expect it to be at harvest time, you might consider a, some type of basis contract to go ahead and set that portion of your cash price and take some and take the futures price later. Or there's the vice versa, vice versa, where you can do something like a hedge to arrive contract, which is setting the futures price today and taking basis at harvest. Once you think, all right, this is the highest futures are going to be this year, you can enter into this type of contract. But it all really depends on your local elevator that they actually offer these types of contracts. Any of the good elevators, big elevators should have these types of things available. And then you can always get into futures markets and play that game if you want to. It's because then you don't have to actually commit any type of production. Because, you know, any type of cash contract you enter, you have some production risk involved of you, you're promising to deliver so much grain. So this time of year, you'll producers be a little hesitant to do that without having a firm expectation of. We would definitely like to thank Will and Brian for being here today. That's tremendous of Will to come over and offer his expertise because these are complex situations and certainly not something that I know very much about at all, not having grown up on a farm. And that's, that's a slight that I have on myself. So thank you, Will. Thank you, Brian. We really appreciate it. And to our regular listeners, as always, we really appreciate the comments. You know, keep them coming. This is something we enjoy doing, and, and obviously not knowing what's going to happen for the rest of the crop year. We'll bring up-to-date and really current content as things happen in the field, and that's certainly something that we're striving to do as we move forward in 2021. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you. The Mississippi Crop Situation Podcast is a production of Mississippi State University Extension.